Books, a podcast of five authors across the genres talking about that one thing we're all bound by, books. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marianne Morea. I write paranormal fantasy, paranormal romance, urban fantasy. The books straddle the genres, but I also write paranormal women's fiction and young adult, but for older teens. It's not middle grade. So, and Danielle? And I am Danielle Bannister. I write romance, paranormal, fantasy, young adult, short stories. I'm, I'm all over the place. Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't yes. we all these days? Yes, yes. <laughs> as long as there's romance, I'm, I'm in it. In this podcast, we talk about all aspects of books, how we write them, which ones we love to read, and why we as authors are readers alike, all bound by books. That's right. And you know what? It's funny because you and I, we both have rebranded releases either coming out or coming out soon. So I thought we could take a little time today to talk a little bit about rebranding. Like, what is it? Why do authors do it? Um, sometimes I think maybe readers don't quite understand why all of a sudden a book that they love gets a new cover or a new title or whatever. Why do we do that? What's, what's up with that? Well, for me personally, I know that I did it because the books were, in my opinion, really good. And the people who had read them had said they were really good. But I kept getting commentary, oh, the covers, oh my God, the covers. Now I need to qualify that. It's because the covers were part of a group effort where the stories were supposed to be tropey and very much like Harlequin Presents-esque. And mm, um, right. so the cover was very uniform. Well, not very, it was, it was uniform. <laughs> the only thing that changed was the image in the center, but they all had the same kind of look, just like- So they had a brand the, they were right. having to follow. Right. right, just like the Harlequin, different different imprints in Harlequin. Right. Well, you know, I contacted the gal who created this, this group, this Howells Romance group, and um, she's fabulous. Her name is Celia Kyle. And, and I said to her, Celia, you know, could I possibly do custom covers, but still put a badge or some kind on the books so that they're still part of the Howells Romance family, but maybe I could reach a larger audience. And she was like, I'm all about authors being able to make money from their books. It's our work. Nice. You should be paid what they're worth. If you think this is going to help you increase your sales and increase your reader fit readership, go for it. So that was the impetus as to why I did it. Right. The other, other thing I think is sometimes that, that the books just need a little, they need a little makeover. Just like, you know, just <laughs> like we do. <laughs> Who After doesn't? A few years, we all did a little touch up. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on, especially women of a certain age, you know, you could all use a little cosmetic. Things magic. need tweaking, bleaching, you know. It, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's sort of true for 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 me as well. I, I've I've got a, a, a rebrand coming up of a of a book series that's about ten years old, and I wish I could say that this was the only time I've changed. <laughs> the cover for this trilogy but this will be like I think number seven <laughs> because it, to be fair it was my first ever books and this was like I had no idea how to do anything when I started so I started out using like the the templates that KDP gives you you know you have same. a certain template yeah same 
I, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to make covers. We didn't, we didn't understand how to do that. And as, and as you, you know, sort of acquire more skills, you start to go, okay, I see what's going on. I need to do this or, you know, I need to do that. And at one point I had an, an agent for like a few years who was shopping around stuff for me. And she said that I had to get rid of the covers that I had for this particular trilogy for the Twin Flames trilogy, that they weren't marketable, that they weren't going to sell here use my designer he's great he was very expensive and so I paid uh for him to redo these covers to the style that my agent thought would sell why we ended up landing on those covers I don't know because trilogy is a a romance with some sort of suspenseful elements in it so why the cover has one girl all in black with like flames under the name I have no idea. I mean, I I showed that picture to you guys in in our little uh, cluster group there, and I had you guys sort of guess the genre. And did did you pick up romance from? No, I, that I picked up. I picked up like <laughs> YA suspense. Yeah, yeah. So from right out of the gate, the cover was not doing the job that a cover was supposed to do. I mean, if this is a love story, why? don't I have a couple on the Mm -hmm. cover? Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I'm a moron. No, you're not. You didn't know any better. And the person you you look to for guidance, who you thought knew the industry gave you, you know, you know, sold you down the the wrong path or sent you down. We're no longer together in in that sort of, you know, uh, working relationship, there was just a lot of like stuff that just did not feel right, did not sit right. And so after long, many years, I am finally uh, rebranding those covers next month. So we shall see if if that... I have actually had that same, same scenario happen, not so much with covers. My problem is that when a when a designer gives me a cover that I don't like or the Mm. covers or the covers that they originally did for me when they first started because if I if it's a series like the first two or three covers I'm like I love this oh my god and then as the series progresses it's like they get blah or they 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 lose their interest in designing you know my problem was is that I went I followed the advice of of a small press owner and then I found out after I had spent two years with her maybe a little longer, almost three years with her, that she was basically a fraud, that she, oh. was, she was a single entity, you know, one person working out of their, you know, their bedroom in their apartment, calling themselves a publisher and reaping all the benefits of that early time between 2010 and 2013, when people, you know, indie authors are getting involved in Kindle Unlimited 1.0, and they were putting their books on KDP as, you know, without a publisher behind them taking the lion's share. So I kind of, I missed out on that because I wanted to have trust in this girl and her stuff and what she told me. She even, I don't want to say bilked because that's the wrong kind of word, but she convinced another author that they could, they would pony up to get their books put into Balker and Ingram, you know, we're going to be like warehoused in like a print run and that this author footed the bill to the the cost of $40,000 to do that with her promising that we're going to, you know, it's going to be a bestseller. It's going to be a bestseller. And then he ended up taking her to court and then she fell off the radar when the economy tanked and I had to buy my 
I had to buy my titles back. And it was the first two titles, Hunter's Blood and Twice Cursed. And I had just finished Blood Legacy and I was ready to sign the contract to give it to her because I still didn't want to give up on somebody because I'm all about entrepreneurship. And she was right. an, you know, an indie publisher. And I thought try to, you know, many hands lift, lift many, you know, yeah, many yeah. boats, you know, and I was trying to do that and whatnot. And, and I thought to myself, I should have been selfish like everybody else. And I should have just thought about me, but you live and you learn. So yes, you do. You live and you yes, learn. you do. And I and I correct me if I'm wrong, but we actually were in in our group. We talked about a cover of yours. You were you were struggling with a cover of yours that you felt like it maybe didn't match the the, the rest within a series. And yes. how do you, how do you make that that choice? Like if you're only changing one cover in a series, how do you approach that? Like do you treat that rebrand like a brand new release, or do you just tweak a small few things like what what was that process like for you well I mean I had gone back to my cover artist this was a different cover artist and I had asked her to change it because it didn't have the right feel I mean it was mm-hmm. getting more the of right a, feel what do you mean by that the right feel because the books were supposed to be vampire fantasy with a splash of paranormal romance in it and uh, you know an, an action but they weren't romantic suspense. It wasn't true romance. And the cover, but it was also uh, the, the cover, the vampire in this book was almost a thousand years old. It was turned during the first crusades and the, the cover art made it look like it was like a time travel or a historic uh-huh. or historic fiction. So I had to have her redo it and she redid it. It was okay. The cover's okay. It's like one of those ones where I feel like she's just lost her impetus to do my covers. So I have to think about what I'm going to do. And to be honest, I think I'm going to take the entire series and I'm going to rebrand the whole thing again. Oh, wow. Because the characters are, even though the books are standalone, the characters are all part of the same universe. So there should be some kind of a thread in the covers to make it look sure. like they belong in the same universe. Make them so connect. Yeah. I'm going to have to re- rethink that. You know what? That's part of the author's job, though, is that we, we always have to be looking at our back catalog and we always have to be, you know, reassessing. Does this cover work for the trends that are, are currently working? Because otherwise, doing a disservice to your readers by not making sure that it's getting where it needs to get visibility wise, right? So I mean, it's a necessary evil sort of this rebranding thing. And that's, that's something that I'm just slowly realizing that 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 this is an okay thing to do. This doesn't mean anything negative. It just means we all go through looks and changes, even as people. So why wouldn't we modernize our books to to match what's what's currently going on? A little refresher. That's there's nothing wrong with freshening them up and making <laughs> them and making the covers actually fit the genre or the story series. I did that's why I did it with the Sentinel Brotherhood and with my Lords of Alora series. Right. You know, they those were part of that Harlequin-esque formulaic um, uniform cover look and that I, I got permission to do the custom covers with the badge. And I have to tell you, redoing them and branding the marketing for them took up a lot of time in the beginning of this year for me, time that I would have been using to, to wordsmith, you know, to put words on a page. Right. But it was so worth it because those books are now selling and they're doing what they're a, supposed to do. Yes, they're reaching a, a bigger audience that way. That's really the hard <clears throat> thing, I think, about being an author is that sometimes we're a little too close to yes. a project and we can't see flaws that are like staring us right in the face. So it's really been nice to have a group, you fine ladies, to toss ideas 
ideas of, you know, and, and that that's true no matter what profession that you're in to have a collaboration, because I think this collaboration has led to many amazing creations. Yes, yes. I mean, the five of us, we should be calling ourselves the Fab Five because that's right. we really take the theory that we've learned in our marketing class. And the few actionable items that, that were taught to us, you know, because the first part of this was all theory, yeah. but the few actionable items like making your cover a, a stop sign, right. putting the keywords and the tropes in your blurbs, you know, to, you know, making sure that you're the first 10%, which is the looks look inside of your book that readers right. will look at is on the money with all these little mini hooks and so forth and breadcrumbs, you know, for the readers to, to want to have the next book. These are things that are actionable that we learned, but having you guys to bounce ideas off of and, or to say, wait, 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 that doesn't sound right. Maybe, yeah. maybe word it this way has been invaluable. Yeah. So like this podcast, yes. you know, collaboration. We wouldn't have gotten here without that. Yeah. Collaboration yeah, sure. and innovation, you know, would never have happened if we hadn't all like joined together. Okay. I want to shift gears a little into no. one of the previous podcasts. We talked about um, a little bit about our first books. We got to hear how you came to write them, but not much about what it was about. Want to give us a? <laughs> you want to give us a sneaky peeky, huh? Sure, sure. Since since they're getting a rebrand anyway, probably a good idea to talk about them. So yeah, this is the the Twin Flames trilogy. It consists of three books pulled pulled back and pulled back again. It's a love story, obviously, because I love a love story. Um, it's new adult, it's angsty with, you know, some suspense thrown in for, for fun. And it evolves around a very real concept of twin flames, which apparently not everybody knows about this thing, but it's a real thing that, that people believe, whether or not you believe it, it's, you know, up to you. But twin flames are described as being deeper than soulmates. They are believed to be two halves of the same exact soul that have been separated into two individual people. And it's twin, yeah, it's it, it is. Yes. It goes way back. So Twin flames can spend centuries searching for their missing half and, and never feeling fully complete that, you know, there's something missing and they can't quite articulate what it is, but there's something missing. And it's because the, the other half of their soul is somewhere far away from them. And so I loved the idea of, of their existing, this half a soul person, but not, not really knowing what was wrong with them. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to toss two of, two halves of a whole into the same room together? They would be strangers. They wouldn't know who they were, but their souls would recognize each other and would pull them together. Hence the title pulled. So these two souls are pulled together. And so that's what I set out to write are, are these two halves uh, being thrown together. I said it in a college theater because that's what I knew at the time because I was a theater major. So I'm like, hey, write what you know. I know how to write about theater and rehearsals. So let's set it there because that's something I don't have to research and figure out how to do. I know how to do that. So I went to that concept, two hearts, one soul thrown into an acting class together. And sort of the suspense piece comes from my heroine, Naya, having a possessive boyfriend who's not overly fond of Etash, who is this scarred sophomore. I've given him a nice big scar on his face. And uh, this guy, Etash, just happens to hold the other 
half of his girlfriend's soul and what drama that might ensue. So it's very angsty, very triangulated, very, you know, if you like, like Twilight sort of, sort of like that heightened almost melodrama sort of stuff, that's what this is. Because when you're in college, that's totally, at the stakes feel so high when you're, when you're so young, yes. they just feel like everything, this is the end of the world stuff. But you know, when you step back, it's like small potatoes, come on. But when you're in the, in that moment, when you're that young and everything feels so heightened. So that's about, but what about you? Uh, Cause I wanted to ask you this very same thing. What is your first book about? I'm kind of like you. It's going through a rebirth. The very first book I wrote is called Hunter's Blood. It's a novella, a long novella, urban fantasy. And it's about a woman whose name is Lily Sabori. And she is a New York City profiler because she's a psychic. And she has a best friend. Her name is Terry Hess who the two of them have formed a paranormal investigation company. But the story picks up after Terry is murdered. And it's Silly, who is now basically a vigilante. She, even with her psychic powers, you know, the fact that she could um, touch an object and kind of know, see its past or find somebody who's missing or whatever, she never really was attuned to paranormal entities, uh, werewolves and whole supernatural subculture that lives in tandem with a parallel to us just in the shadows or sometimes out in plain sight. So now that Terry has been killed by a rabid werewolf while they're just doing a routine EMF taking electromagnetic force readings at this house in Maine, Maine. <laughs> yes, it takes place in Maine. She's now attuned to them all. And she goes back to, to, to New York because she's traumatized, but she is just hell bent on striking a blow for humanity against these entities. So she's hunting and she's, you know, she's killed some vampires and Central Park and so forth. And as one does. And now she's ready because she's honed her skills and honed, you know, her senses to be able to be attuned to these entities. Now she's going to go back to Maine and she's going to hunt the beast that killed her best friend, who is like, was like her only family because she's, mm-hmm. uh, she's by herself. She, she tracks it to the outskirts of a gunkwit and she, um, she's on the, the rocky bluffs there and she's tracking him through the woods, you know, heading towards the water. And just as she, you know, she comes into contact with it and entity is just completely degraded down to its base nature. And it just basically beats the hell out of her. She ends up crashing headlong into the alpha of the brethren who is hunting the same same creature that she's hunting and when she's almost dead he basically takes her back to the compound of weirs which is like you know kind of like their headquarters it's like a private facility which is just buildings and so forth where the, this community lives right. like a little hideout yeah yep well not a hideout it's out it's like in plain, a, in plain right. sight but right. oh okay and they nurse her back to health and it turns out that the werewolf that, that she was hunting who killed her best friend was degraded down to his base nature because he had caught a virus. Now, I wrote this book in like 2010, <laughs> you know, so it's like it does nothing to do with COVID, you know. Well, but it, it could. So, but it's, it's. You could read, you could drink that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, so this, this virus, this pathogen, mm. it only, it right now, it only affects the supernatural set. 
And, you know, so they have to find this cure before it ravages them. And it turns out that Lily's blood, because she was attacked by this rabid weir, she's kind of like immune to it. So she's got, she's got, she's like the chosen one. She's got antibodies. So nice. they need to, they, they can distill from her blood, but there's always politics and intrigue. And because she's human, certain factions that don't want her but of course she and the alpha of the brethren whose name happens to be sean sean layton they fall in love now twice cursed picks it was just book two picks up right exactly where hunter's blood ends so that when i said it's having a rebirth it means that the books are being merged i merged both books into one book because everybody kept saying to me oh my god that's it. they need to be one book because it's it's a, just the continuation of lily and, and sean's story right. and the, it's such a an action-packed book with her as the heroine and then there's the vampires that get involved and we introduce the the underground vampire club in new york city called the red veil which then spurs the rest of my my series which is the curse by blood series so that's how it's getting rebreathed that's my first book and you know it's funny because you would think i'm this kick-ass individual with the way i i crafted lily and maybe I think part of it comes from the fact that I have earned not only my first degree black belt, but my second degree black belt. And like in the last podcast where Tina Moss, you know, another favorite author of ours in our group said, you wouldn't know it to look at me now. Well, same thing here. I'm like the queen. Of, <laughs> I'm like the queen of slug, <laughs> slugdom right now. But I well, COVID does that to me. Yeah. But I, but I do have my first and second degree black belt. So choreographing fight scenes was something that was kind of fun. Sure, yeah, you've got a, a unique edge. Know how to land punches and stuff. That's all kinds of awesome. Um, as writers, we are also readers, right? So yes. I mean, authors, we write a lot and we read a lot. Within our just our podcast of authors, we all write in such different genres, but. We've all sort of just decided to make it a point to read each other's work. I don't think we ever decided to do that. I think we've just just naturally have done that. So far, I've read Sherry Hayes' book, uh, Slave, if you like B BDSM stuff, that's uh, one to check out. Hannah Byron's historical romance, Miss Onyes. And then I'm right now I'm on Tina Moss's book, Code Black. I've just gotten to this next scene in the book, which I was trying to read at a rehearsal. I'm like, no, I can't read this scene while there are people all around me. This needs to be in a private moment. So I got to get back to that. Um, and that's, I believe, a, a paranormal romance. I want to read one of yours next when, when I'm finished with Tina is. So this actually is beneficial for me and the readers. If you were to suggest a book for a first-time reader of yours, what book would you suggest to them? Well, let me ask you a question then. Do okay. you like books that take time to read, that have a lot of detail and are very plot heavy with a lot of character depth? Or are you looking for something that's a quick Kind quick of, and dirty? Yeah, kind of quick and dirty, or not even so much quick and dirty, but quick with a faster plot and faster a faster read. I tend I, to, to skip over a lot of descriptions, so probably the faster stuff. If there's like a romance in it, I'm I'm there. Okay, then I would suggest to pick up The Wolf's Secret Witch, which okay. is uh, the first book in the Sentinel Brotherhood trilogy and the books they they are better read there's only three of them and they're about 200 pages each so they're not um they're not crazy crazy long but they move at a fast pace and every book builds on the other one until the, the there's a the ultimate fight 
climax in book three, which is Never Cry Wolf. So I would pick up The Wolf Secret Witch. I've written it down. Yes. It is so, It is on the list. Because it's quick and it's it's uh, fun. There's a plot. There's action. There's romance. There's sex. There's, you All know, the so things that I love in a book. And there's abs <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> abs on the cover. So now like you, I have read some of the books in the, in the, you know, from the five of us, because we want to be supportive and everything. And I have read your book, Enigma, which is an amazing psychological thriller, I have to tell. I loved it. I loved it. Scared the shit out of me at times, but I loved it. Like a, a, a piece of candy where it's like, I've got this hard surface, you know, sweet, but hard surface. And on the inside, I'm kind of mush. So when anything is kind of like even a little bit scary, and I write scary sometimes, I write dark. And but reading it, it's another yeah. thing. I'm it's the same way. I don't like scary stuff either. <laughs> so, but it's like the psychological thriller part of it is yeah. like, oh my God, you know, because yeah. it gets in your head, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and I have started Tina's uh, Code Black and I'm about halfway through and I'm loving yeah. it as well. I'm loving it as yeah. well. But I have yet to read Sherry's Slave based on the fact that it's BDSM and it's it's uh, the, just the name alone. I think I may have to work up my courage to read it because <laughs> I have graphic sex scenes, but her this makes it sound like it's super explicit. No, this so. this this one this one is part of a I believe it's five books. The first one there is no sex in the first one. It, it, it picks up from there, but so slave. It is more of like an introduction to the character, so you don't okay. have to worry about being too. So slave is a mindset <laughs> then in the book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, okay. I, mean, I I haven't read the others, so I can't speak. But I think that they I think that the action so to speak picks up in later it's books. <laughs> So polite. <laughs> so, yeah. and I haven't read Miss Anye's yet. Um, yeah, that's a short oh, yeah. one. So that so, one, that one won't take you too long to read. So that's... and I, you know, and I actually did download also in, in Bacardi's feels from Hannah Byron. Nice. So, you know, and yeah. it's just that right now I'm on, I'm on such heavy you're, deadline. You're in a big I, deadline. Yeah. Yeah. There's a I lot have... of reading when you're on a deadline. Yeah. What about you? What should a first time reader go for for you? Oh, well, I guess that depends. If you like an angsty romance, start with pulled rom-com, uh, the ABCs of D. That's a comedy about a woman who decides to, to date the alphabet at 40. <laughs> what, what could go wrong with that? Um, if you like small town romance, a uh, little mistaken identity sort of thing, uh, doppelganger is a nice one to start with. Um, if you prefer, you know, sexy, funny, uh, friends to lovers sort of stuff, uh, I'd start with the the first hundred kisses. If you're more of a fantasy sort of trope, then um, I'd start with Netherworld. Those are all sort of first in a series or trilogies. So if you like the first of those, there's there's more that you can partake in. Yes. Like for me, like I said to you, the, the Sentinel Brotherhood was a short romance but it you know with action and suspense and and it does have a full plot and and the plot the plot just grows and gets bigger and more intense with each of the books in the trilogy well, that's how it should they, work in a series they, they build one on yeah, top of the a little other. a little nugget for each book within a series yeah that's how it should and the work. characters you know like the, the first characters from the first book they become secondary characters in the second book and then then and then they're all kind of thrown together in the third book because that's when the big climax happens sure sure but i mean if you like ya i mean i have my legend series which is which i happen to love and it's very near and dear to my heart it's basically a modern twist on the legend of sleepy hollow and i you know it, it was fun to write because i live in sleepy hollow country my kids were born in sleepy hollow my husband was was born and raised there well 
up until a certain point he moved when he was a when he was a boy but you know she's my mother-in-law is a sleepy hollow girl went to sleepy hollow high school that they used to call the glass house but you know it's it's fun because i right there is the old dutch church and the burial the old burial ground and the 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 van tassels are real people and in fact one of the one of their descendants tara is a friend and she I, when I was writing this book, I actually went to her and I was like, listen, I'm writing about your your ancestors. Is that going to be okay? <laughs> and she's like, as long as you're not writing about my immediate family, who the hell cares? Right. She's, but right. she read it and she loved it because of, I, I put the historical twists on things. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, one thing. And then if you like more provoking, detailed, plot-driven books, uh, my vampire fantasies and the Curse by Blood series, you know, that, that you know, Blood Legacy and Collateral Blood and Condemned and, um, and the rest of them are, I've been likened to, Condemned was likened to somebody had gotten a review that said, if you, if Sherilyn Kenyon and J.R. Ward's writing had a baby, it would be my writing. And that's not, that's a quote from, from this review. <laughs> Otherwise, like, where has this been all my life? You know, so uh, I mean, best. yes. So I mean, if you like that kind of that kind of uh, book that you kind of could leave you with a with a book hangover, or right. you know, need you need to think about as you're reading, then then those are you know, the, then the Curse by Blood series would be would be more to your liking. So right. well. Right. I- yeah, and, and the only reason I didn't really recommend um, Enigma to, to people to read is because that one is going to be pulled off the shelf soon because it's been picked up by a small publishing Yay! house. So I, it's not going to be in that format anymore. So otherwise, I would have lifted that up. So if you want to grab it, you better snag it now because it's not going to be in that format well, for yay much for longer. You. <laughs> yay for you for having someone recognize the talent and the and the the potential for the series. But I'm glad I read it before it, before it gets <laughs> it gets its makeover. So. That's right. Well, I think that's probably an uh, if for us, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. we're done just yeah. right for today. So join us next week as we continue the journey of how our stories came to life and make us all bound by books. Danielle, do you want to tell our listeners how they can find you? They can find me at Danielle Bannister at WordPress.com. And you? And they, you can find me at MarianneMorea.com or on um, my Amazon author page. Um, oh, yes. All of my books are in Kindle Unlimited. So if you if you belong to that subscription, you can snap them up. There you, you go. Know? And where can they find your books online besides your website? Oh, they're they're on Amazon. They're on iBooks. They're they're everywhere. I'm so wide. You're wide. So you're I'm wide. wide yeah. so, I'm wide. Yeah. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Zon girl <laughs> with KU. So anyway. Nothing wrong um, with that. So anyway. Thank you all for listening and join us next week for more Bound by Books.